Hello, and welcome to Yuki Life Abroad. My name is Nathan, and I'm joined by my co-host Andre. With COVID-19 still an ever-present part of our lives, the importance of well-being and community ties online is as strong as ever. This week, we speak with Christina Kmet, the founder of the Art of Transformation Project, and discuss her work in maintaining ties and well-being within the community during this difficult time. So hello, and today welcome to the program, and we are welcoming Pani Kristina Kmat, who is the organizer behind the Art of Transformation. So Pani, can you please tell us a little bit about what made you decide to start this SOAR project, the Art of Transformation? Pravidhlopsi, uh, thank you for taking the time to speak with me in relation to this uh, topic. It's a passion of mine, and when we were in Melbourne in lockdown, it was our, I think it was our second lockdown. We're currently in our fourth lockdown. We lose track after a while. Um, sitting outside and doing my Veshitya, I thought to myself, I'm doing my Veshitya. I'm sharing it to Facebook. I'm seeing what other people are sharing to Facebook. They're doing incredible art pictures. Kids are drawing on um pavements doing their chalk drawings and um, let's share it let's see how we can get this together and actually share it and I came up with the art of lockdown and within a week we had it live everyone just thought it was a wonderful idea that I communicated it with and it went national and then international in a very quick time frame and um, that's where it started basically in my backyard just me doing my visitia. Awesome. So do you think um, that as uh, well, part of the popularity of this was because of lockdown, because people wanted to contribute, but they also didn't really have the means of going out. So they thought, let's do something uh, where we can just present our Veshacha, you know, in, in another capacity? Most definitely, because uh, we were in almost a three month lockdown here in Melbourne, 120 odd days off the top of my head. Um, we as a community, as a straight and Ukrainian community, we couldn't get together. No schools, no dancing groups, nothing. So therefore, people were totally being isolated, not just by from family and friends, but from community and church groups. And this affected everybody significantly. And to be able to communicate and make links through this Facebook group where people not always shared their own art, but they commented and reconnected with friends right around Australia and around the world we've had the most wonderful story shared through this Facebook group of people whose uh, members of family were getting married overseas, but the horovai was baked here in Brisbane um, and then shared with the family in Singapore, the son, um, Katrusa Milanovich in Brisbane. Extraordinary stories, extraordinary times. And then that would then encourage others to actually communicate and share their stories of their separation, their angst, their stresses, and how they then connected with family members and friends all around Australia and around the world. It was, it's been very special, if I can put it that bluntly. Oh, I'm sure it has been. Um, so I'd like to ask one question. How many people contributed to your project? Because you've already said that you started this really quickly and then uh, not too long after you even went international with it. So I was just wondering, um, did you have uh, not only people from Australia, but people from overseas also contribute to the project? 
Yes, that's a wonderful question. We have currently over a thousand members uh, internationally and uh, the group is spread across many countries and in Australia, every state contributes, but we have contribution not just from Australia, United States, Canada, uh, Great Britain, Ukraine, of course, as well, and across all ages and demographics. So it has really touched a lot of people um, across all spheres. It's It's been wonderful. It's amazing that you've managed to have um, all these people internationally come support you, but um, from those people and their artworks, which would you say uh, that our listeners could go view and uh, view as the most interesting? Look, there have been lots of wonderful stories, but a lot of the ones that have touched uh, people the most has, have been the youth. There's been a whole youth component from 10 years old, even younger actually, from kids making cupcakes with their, their grandparents and sharing that because that's what you do in lockdown. You spend time with your grandparents and you bake. Um, so those stories of children doing their uh, their activities or drawing beautiful paintings um, and sharing those with the wider community have actually really touched um, many people we've been led beautifully throughout this whole um, this whole program by Panya Olana Kurinic who has been the patron of this program as well Panya Olana uh, as many people would know is the wife of our Australian Ukrainian ambassador Dr Mikola Kurinic and Panya Olana has contributed not only in a positive sense throughout to the artists that have shared but she's also shared her own um, uh, uh, craft and art and has even done a masterclass for us that's another program that we have done as part of this platform so the range of contributors throughout from Paniolana Kulinic to children who may be 10 years old or even younger uh, has, has really touched a lot of our members it's good to see that you've managed to get this reach so far um, so given the fact that this was inspired, I won't say inspired, but it kind of took off as a result of COVID, once COVID eventually is no longer an issue and this pandemic ends, do you plan to continue this project maybe in the form of a like a physical art gallery or anything along those lines? Uh, we're making plans at the moment for art exhibitions um, around Australia. But of course, because of COVID, uh, there are a lot of restrictions. This snap lockdown that we're in here in Melbourne at the moment has affected, of course, border closures once again. And the uncertainty of snap lockdowns and these border closures is making it very challenging to be able to actually uh, expand this program. But yes, many discussions are already taking place on how we could potentially do real live exhibitions, promote Australian Ukrainian artists, and even take art exhibitions overseas to America, Canada, and Great Britain and Ukraine. So it has actually initiated many conversations. Oh, awesome. So I do want to talk about maybe like expanding the project because I know it's when we talk about art we're talking mostly about like physical art and drawing but do you think there could be a uh, a platform where maybe not in this particular um, project but where there could be some kind of online sharing of let's say music for example or poetry or any of the other types of um, arts? 
Uh, yes, most definitely. There are other platforms, cultural Ukrainian platforms in Australia, which do exactly that. So that already exists. Um, the Art of Lockdown, which became the Art of Transformation on the 1st of January of this year, because we thought that perhaps we were coming out of lockdown. Yeah. Um, that was the whole point of rebadging the, the group. Um, we are sticking to actually having the... Um, more physical art, so be it um, drawings, paintings, vishitya. Uh, we have featured when it's been Easter and um, and Christmas traditional things that we can create as well, part of our culture. And many people have actually appreciated how to bake a kolach, how to make a diduch, and have shared that all around Australia and around the world as well. Oh, fantastic. Well, for me, um, I really enjoy visiting a museum or art galleries and seeing it in person. So um, bringing into another collaboration that you've, that you've uh, been part of is the Soul Art Wellness website. Could you tell us a bit more about this project and the resources? Yes, the Soul Art website, um, Wellness and Wellbeing, um, that came out of the fact that during COVID, the heads of Hromade from all around Australia every week were meeting for months. Um, every Wednesday night we'd have meetings with Suwa discussing how COVID was affecting our member groups all around Australia because we were concerned how could people still stay con connected and how could we support them and where could they actually get the information? Because, of course, the government was putting out a lot of information. But at the same time, we were trying to figure out how we could actually tailor it for the Australian-Ukrainian community. Um, I was presented with the task of creating the wellness website uh, with a fantastic team of medical specialists and also IT uh, collaborators who designed the website. And we also tapped into the Art of Lockdown artists to assist with making it a beautiful website and then we started collecting the information and all the links to the government and wellness um, uh, sites that we have be that beyond blue um, headspace uh, government sites as well so that we can actually get our ukrainian australian ukrainian community pointed in the right direction as to where they can find information as to what is actually going on. SBS Ukrainian is also an, another wonderful resource. And we incorporated our community organisations. So I reached out to SUM and PLAST, who were most supportive of this initiative and included them with direct links to their websites as well. So if people were looking for more information on what was going on in programs or where they could actually see what was happening for Molod, for our youth, they could actually then tap into Plust and Sum as well. Oh, that's awesome. So I know we have the the websites, the like the big one. Um, do you think do you think there's any plans to maybe move towards something like, let's say, maybe a mobile app or something along those lines that people can access directly off their phone? Look, talking long term, perhaps. Um, no discussion about a mobile app has been um, raised at this stage. Um, but thank you for that suggestion. Um, the the wellness website is updated constantly. Um, I'm updating it and giving links and also working with a team of psychiatrists, psychologists and medical experts and also just community members uh, to keep that constantly updated and also staying in touch with our 
our um, spiritual leaders as well with the Ukrainian Greek Catholic Church and also the Ukrainian Orthodox Church throughout Australia so that when there are special events or um, celebrations, there are links to their messages as well so that there is a duchovna, a spiritual program, so that people can then see and hear those links as well, those messages. Oh, I think that's a fantastic link to add in there as well with the religious side. Um, but what would you say are some of the challenges when it comes to trying to bring men mental health awareness um, to people in the Ukrainian community? It's. I think it's across the board with mental health. People mm. don't always want to admit that, that they may need help or that people around them may need help. So the aim of this website is as a tool for people to then to look at what is there and then to, if they feel like they need to actually go on further, they can actually click on the links and start reading. Um, it's also meant to be giving them a bit of inspiration and positivity and appreciating that the Australian-Ukrainian community, that SUWA, the Australian Federation of Ukrainian Organisations, as an organisation is actually uh, endeavouring to support all Ukrainians in Australia, all Australian Ukrainians, so that we are there for one another and to be prepared to reach out and also to ask for help and to look for help because it is there. Are there any like similar kind of uh, projects out there in the Ukrainian diaspora that you know of um, that have kind of taken a similar approach in terms of uh, well-being or would you say that your approach is quite unique? Ours is quite unique. Canada has, uh, the Ukrainian-Canadian uh, Congress has done similar and they tend to do it more when it's actually feast days and things like that or they do COVID sites. Um, but a standalone COVID uh, wellness and well-being site that the um, that SOWA, the AFUO, have actually implemented is really quite unique. And we have promoted it around the world. We've promoted it in America and Canada and in Ukraine. I've done a number of interviews um, with Ukraine as well. And it has actually been referred to as a guide if anybody else wanted to actually then take that and implement something similar. Oh, fantastic. Uh, well, considering that Melbourne has been experiencing its fourth lockdown, like you've mentioned before, which has no doubt caused a new chapter of isolation, disruption and economic challenges. Do you feel our diaspora communities uh, will be very different from what they were before after emerging from COVID? And based on these projects discussed, do you have any insight into what some of these challenges might be for our leaders? Uh, the challenges are going to be numerous. Um, it's not just about getting people back together again uh, because new routines have been established and people are fearful. Um, here in Victoria in particular, in Melbourne, uh, the discourse and is very much negative. So people are actually um, scared to leave their homes. Um, and it's encouraged not to leave our homes so that we're not spreading or potentially spreading illness or COVID. But nonetheless, this then uh, transfers into a, neg a negative headspace. And then to be able to overcome that and to get people to still come to actually, to come to activities, to come to church, is going to be very challenging to come to Ukrainian uh, dance, to come to Ukrainian school, to actually get those numbers back to what it was pre-COVID is going to be very challenging. That's how it is in Melbourne. I'm hoping that it's not the same in the other states because the other states haven't actually had such severe lockdowns as what we have had. But yes, as a nation, we will need to look at how we communicate with our member groups, how we communicate with our community members and how we reach out to them and what support we give them going forward. 
Mm, definitely. We spoke with um, our priest here, uh, Tatsumon Skui, um, and in our interview with him, we were talking about um, whether he saw that if there was a place for streaming of masses um, after COVID. And he definitely said that, you know, at the start, he thought no, because he wanted everyone to be um, coming to church in a physical capacity. But now he said that this was probably a year ago, he said that his uh, opinions kind of shifted now. And he thought that, you know, he does see a place for it. So, I think that we are going to kind of have some residual things like streaming, for example, of churches that are going to continue for elderly people and people that might not be able to make it. But I definitely do see when he was talking about the negative side that there might be people that think, okay, well, I can stream Mass online. I don't particularly have to go to Mass or this particular concert might be streamed online, so I don't particularly have to go to that particular concert. So would you say that this is kind of going to contribute when it comes to, like like you said, people wanting to go out? Do you think that maintaining these online presence and these online forums, for example, could it have a negative effect or think it will mostly be a positive effect and it will encourage people to come to those physical events after COVID? I think it's twofold. We need to always look at the positive. So the positive is, is that, for example, Otatsandri Mikachuk here in Melbourne uh, streams all of his services. And I know that if I'm on Facebook, I get my little notification and I can log in and it can be the morning service or the evening service, which I could not possibly physically get to. But I know that I've got a Tatsandri there. Um, he's also our plus chaplain here in, in Melbourne. I can comment, I can pray with him, although I'm not physically in the church. That's not stopping me from going to church when I can go to church. So we need to actually look at the positives that um, the streaming aspect has actually made everything far more accessible to so many more people at different times that hasn't been in the past. But yes, most definitely, we will still need to be able to encourage people to physically connect with their community and to overcome any inherent fears that have now become endemic because of the pandemic and the fears of actually leaving people's homes. Mm, Absolutely. Well, hopefully that your projects will help bring this back to reality in a sense and uh, help contribute to bringing this positive space into uh, the people's mind, especially in Melbourne, considering your lockdown. So uh, we wish you all the best and Hopefully, uh, you come out of lockdown real soon. Thank you. We always say that um, these programs are all about con- uh, connecting the community. So we had a bit of a catchphrase, which was COVID, community and connectivity. <laughs> so you take the positive out of all of that and COVID's going to be around for a while. So really, it's all about getting our community members connected. It doesn't matter where they are, in what capacity we can possibly do that, be it through arts, culture, well-being, but showing that we are a community, we are strong, and we are connected to one another. It doesn't matter where we are. Well, thank you so much for spending time with us. It's been a pleasure. Gyaku Hopsi. In the news this week. Ukraine's Ministry of Environmental Protection and Natural Resources has announced that as part of the country's efforts to become carbon neutral by 2050, Ukraine will establish a national climate fund. The fund will collect all current environmental taxes and use them to promote decarbonisation. The ministry also plans to introduce a carbon tax to target the heaviest polluters and encourage the uptake of renewables. 
President Zelensky has also announced that Ukraine aims to plant 1 billion trees in the next three years to combat deforestation in the country, particularly in the Carpathian Mountains, where logging is a major industry. Ukraine has withdrawn its troops from Afghanistan. The troops were part of Ukraine's commitment to NATO's resolute support, training and advisory mission to the country. The main tasks of the Ukrainian troops included fulfilling duties as staff officers at the headquarters, conducting engineering reconnaissance of traffic routes, implementing measures to counter the use of improvised explosive devices, and disposing of explosive objects and assuming duty as part of the forces of the Consolidated Spearhead Response Unit. The slogan Slava Ukraina, Heroim Slava has become the official motto of Ukrainian football. Also approved are a new small coat of arms of the Ukrainian Football Association in the form of a trident with the inscription Ukraine, a large coat of arms and a map of Ukraine with a trident in the center. The new symbols can now be used at all official events held by the UEFA. Last year, we covered a story about the Republic of Ireland's plans to open an embassy in Ukraine. We are pleased to announce that last week, Ihor Zhovka, deputy head of the Office of the President of Ukraine, welcomed the opening of the Irish Embassy in Ukraine in a conversation with the Deputy Secretary of State for International and European Affairs of the Office of Prime Minister of Ireland, Helen Blake. He stated that the opening of the Irish diplomatic mission is a long-awaited event, which should contribute to the disclosure of significant potential of bilateral cooperation between Ukraine and Ireland. The parties also discussed the situation in eastern Ukraine and in the Crimea-occupied Russia. Let us know what stories you would like to hear by reaching out to us on Facebook, Instagram and Twitter. Join us next week for more Yuki Life Abroad content.